badly on your brand, it reflects badly on your business, it reflects badly on you. And with social media these days, you know, people start tweeting about all kinds of random things and you just don't want to be the subject of somebody's tweet just because you didn't understand. Hi, my name is Vindya V. This is Art of the Extraordinary, the podcast for those of you who's ready to play a much bigger game and leave an extraordinary legacy behind. I'm glad you're here and it's time to make your quantum leap. My name is Vindya and I'm a high performance coach and I help build high performing teams that make you look great. And every week I bring on guests who have done pretty extraordinary things in the world and my job is to dig deeper into how they have done things in a quest to find out what has made them different and today I have Stacy Price who is the founder of healthybusinessfinances.com.au on the show and this is going to be a slightly different conversation to the ones that we have had in the show so far because Stacy is a qualified chartered accountant and registered BAS agent and self-confessed numbers nerd. She specializes in helping business owners to understand their financial information. Now, she may be a qualified accountant, but she doesn't really talk accounting lingo, nor does she sit in a corporate stuffy office wearing a suit. And she speaks small business so that her clients can finally understand their obligations to the ATO in plain English. And there is a very special reason why I decided to invite Stacy on the show. One is because understanding finances is important, especially when it comes to building businesses or anything, when you do anything creative that you're going to earn money from. Secondly, as you will notice, when I speak with Stacey, you will notice that the way she does things in her business is different. Once she has built the business in a very competitive market space, um, an accountant, there are many accountants, but you would notice that she had done things very differently and she had structured herself and branded herself in a very, very different way. And it's very refreshing and it makes actually people want to ask for opinions and ask for advice. Plus, the way she does business is different. So, without a further ado, let's jump into our interview. Stacy, welcome to the show. Now, for those of our listeners who do not know about you, just please tell us a little bit about you, your brand, and the journey that you have come through. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, and second of all, I guess I haven't started my business like probably a lot of people have. Um, I never envisaged owning my own business and I never planned to have my own business. Um, I was working in the accounting space in the corporate world. I'd had two children and I was made redundant when I had my second child when I was on maternity leave. And I guess it really was a time where I thought I need to evaluate where my priorities are. Um, and I had two small children under three and did I want to go back and work in city full time or even part time? We didn't have a lot of family around to arrange childcare. So I just thought, you know what, Let's things have already changed with the redundancy, so why not jump in head first and start a business? And if it doesn't work, I, I can always go back and, and find a corporate job, but this is my one chance where I can give it 110% and, and know that it's either a yes or a no at the end of the day. So 
I jumped in and started Healthy Business Finances, which is a financial coaching and bookkeeping and accounting business. And I guess I've always loved numbers and numbers have been my thing. But what I've decided when I was on maternity leave is I spoke to so many other women that had children and wanted to start their own business, but they just didn't know the financial side. And I thought, wow, I do and I can help these people. So it started as a bookkeeping business because that's what I knew and I knew really well, but it's evolved over time to really be a financial coaching business and to help those people understand the numbers rather than just a bookkeeping business. Absolutely love that um, that you just jumped in and wanting to see how it's going to go because I think uh, a lot of us, when you jump in, especially from corporate to the business world, we we just think, oh my God, this is it, be end all and be all. We just this we gotta make it work, otherwise, you know, like uh, you know, it, it's not gonna work if it doesn't work out, or you know, you're just scared whether it's gonna fail or not. But I love how you went about it in thinking, you know what, I'm gonna give it a crack, and then you know, what's the worst thing that could happen, right? Yeah, and I think we get so used to our comfort zone and and I used to love my job before I was made redundant and I understand that was a business decision for them and that's fine, but that was the point where I could really evaluate what was my next step and it could have been really easy to go and get another corporate job and go back to nine to five and just get on that treadmill and keep going around, but I really wanted to work part-time. I really wanted to spend two days a week with my children. Um, you know, I wanted to be able to pick them up if they were sick at, at the drop of a hat. And working in the city was really hard. Um, I needed to catch a train, then drive from the train station back to home, which was a good 10, 15 minutes, just to get to my kids if they happened to be sick or something happened during the day. So um, I probably wouldn't tell everybody just to quit and jump into head first, but... I think sometimes that naivety worked in my favour when I started my business. I didn't spend two years planning it. I didn't have a 67-page business plan when I started my business. I knew my target market and I knew how to find them and I went out there and I started telling people I was running a business. You know, that's as complicated as I made it. <laughs> um, love that. Uh, that's actually one of the questions that I wanted to ask you because accounting is a very competitive space. But when I look at your website, by the way, folks, you got to definitely go and check out uh, Healthy Business Finance's website because when you go there, you see that they are doing things very differently. So I see that you guys are doing things differently. So I just wanted to ask you, like, how did you come about it? Because given that it is such a competitive um, market and a competitive field, how did you differentiate yourself uh, rather, you know, other than what you mentioned about your target market? Yeah, I think accounting and bookkeeping, there is so much choice these days. Um, and it didn't always be that way. You know, you used to go into the accountant's office and see them once or twice a year and you'd come back the next year and you'd do it again. So they had to be local. They generally had to be someone that you knew and you would stay with that one accountant generally for the entire time that you had a business. And I think now with the internet, um, especially, there is so much range of services available that you can choose the person that really suits your needs. And we don't compete on price and we never have um, because we think if we're competing on price, nobody values what we can offer them. So what we decided was we spoke to a lot of people while I was on maternity leave and a lot of them were other mothers who had also started a business, whether before or after maternity leave didn't matter. But they had so many competing constraints with their time. They had children, they had business, they had a, had a full-time job. 
And so they really struggled to be able to speak to someone to help them in the financial aspect of their business because most um, stereotypical accountants work from an office that's nine to five and you have to go and see them. So we decided that we can tap into this market by providing a service for these clients via Skype or via Zoom. So we can offer after hours. So we have a lot of mums that we deal with at seven o'clock at night because their kids are in bed and they can finally sit down and really give their full attention to their numbers or, or, or running a business activity statement or getting their cash flow sorted, whatever it is. Um, you know, we have a lot of people that have kids home during the day and they can't focus during that time. So we thought, why should those people miss out on getting the help that they need? We can offer it in a different way. So we can reach clients Australia-wide um, and pretty much any time of the day we can slot things into our diaries. So we differentiate ourselves on how we, we really operate our business, not so much the services that we offer. Mm, absolutely. Well, one of the things that you touched on uh, a little bit about is about how you do things differently and one thing that is very clear by just going to your services page and how you have branded your business is that you have incorporated fun to the accounting like that's actually one of the reasons why a lot of people you know like unless you're like really analytical and you really love you know the numbers and all of that side a lot of people would go okay I don't understand I'm just going to completely black out but one thing that I do notice from your brand is that you've incorporated that that side of fun and you you've just you know given that extra oomph to your brand so that you know people even who don't understand much about the the accounting side of the numbers would still be able to enjoy what they do while they work with you. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, and I think even when I think of the word accountant or bookkeeper or, you know, we call ourselves financial coaches because we really feel that we're helping our clients understand that financial space, it's very hard to make those words interesting and exciting. So we thought if people are going to work with us and they already have that fear that we are that stereotypical, boring accountant wearing a brown suit and carrying a briefcase, that's not who we are. You know, I wear bright colored clothing. <laughs> I don't wear a suit. I definitely don't wear heels. We don't have an office. Why don't we embrace who we are? Like we're just another business owner and we really love working with numbers. So someone once said, Stacey, you're such a numbers nerd. And I think they meant it as a real insult. And I said, you know what? I'm really proud that I'm a numbers nerd. <laughs> we've, we've used that terminology throughout our branding because people resonate it with it. They're like, yes, you're a nerd, but you're actually quite a happy nerd and you're a fun nerd and like you actually make sense. So if you want to call yourself a numbers nerd, that's actually a bonus to me. So we really try and help business owners understand that there's a lot of different types of accountants. Um, you will find people in suits in, the, in a 35th floor office. Um, and if that's what you're looking for, that's perfectly fine. But most of our clients are startups they're generally very scared about their numbers and about their business and they don't have a lot of confidence in asking for help. So if we don't position ourselves to be that person that will answer those stupid questions or, you know, hold their hand along the way, then we're missing out on an entire group of people that need our help. So we just thought, why not make it fun? Why not make it interesting? Why not Why not do sessions via Skype? You know, I don't have to be in the same room. Um, so we do a range of things to really go, you know what, this session will be whatever you get out of it. Um, but if, yeah, if you're expecting corporate 
accountant in a box. That's definitely not what you get with us. <laughs> I love I love your answer to that person who made the comment because I mean, what do you expect from the accountant? Do you want your accountant yeah. to be good at something else other than numbers? Exactly right. And and a lot of people come to us and and it's all negative emotions that they come to us. They're scared, they're confused, they're embarrassed. Um, they don't want to tell us that they haven't done their bookkeeping for six months or that they've hired someone and they don't know how to pay them. Um, and so they come to us with a lot of negative emotional baggage, we like to call it. Um, and, and But they feel that they're the only person that's in that situation. Um, they don't want to explain to anyone what's happening. And so they come to us and, and they, you know, they're so apologetic, like, Stacey, I'm so sorry I haven't done it. I'm really embarrassed. I'm like, you know what? We're not here to judge. We're here to help. Um, and if we can help you pay that person right and if we can help you with your accounting software and if we can help you with the tax office, then we've done our job. Um, we're definitely not here to judge. And I think that's what people think an accountant does. They'll look at their paperwork or look at their books or look at their cash flow projections and they'll have some judgment. Whereas we try to help, we're like, okay, it might not be in the best situation right now, but if we do ABC, then you'll get this amazing outcome. One thing that you did touch on is like who you live working with as clients can you just tell us in like briefly like who do you love working with uh, other than the parts that you mentioned like and why do you care about that that person that you serve yeah so when we talk about our ideal client most people have I guess an image in their head of a person and they might be female between 30 and 40 and they can really see this person in front of them. Whereas we do things a little bit differently, surprise, surprise, and we see our clients' um, attitudes and attributes before we see them as a person. So we look for people that want to do the right thing. We look for people who, you know, really want to understand um, their numbers and that want to grow their business and they're in this for the long haul. So we really try and narrow down our ideal client by the type of person they are. Um, we've had clients that have six-figure businesses but they don't care about doing the right thing. So they're not our ideal client because they're not going to value the, the knowledge and education we can bring to the table. Um, we've had clients that, you know, make $5,000 a month, but they have a, a two or three year plan for their business and they really want to grow it and they want to open three storefronts and they have this amazing vision of building this brand for their business. You know, they're the people that we get excited about because we can really help them on that journey. And when they send us those emails or messages and go, I've hired my first person. I didn't think I'd ever reach that stage. And I'm so grateful that you gave me that advice about payroll. And I'm like, oh my God, that, that's what makes me feel so good. Um, so we don't necessarily look for a type of business or a type of person. We look at those, I guess, the attitudes they have around their numbers. Um, that's what we focus on to, to find our ideal client. I love that you brought that up because when I look at, you know, like anyone who's providing a lot of information or advice about how to go about finding your ideal client, a lot of the times something that 
the advice that you get is that oh yeah you got to know the age range and you got to know whether it's male or female you got to know where they live and what financial status but I think the way that you have gone about it is what I call psychographics not necessarily the demographics but actually the person's you know what are their interests and um, you know how are they as a person and where do they want to see themselves so it's more the psychology of the person it's the demographic side of things isn't it Absolutely. And just as an example, we have a beautiful elderly gentleman who I think he's about 84 years of age. He runs his MYB data file. I go and visit him. He lives in a retirement village. So I do get a lot of odd looks when I go and visit this elderly gentleman um, to work on his numbers. <laughs> he pays his bill every single time. He rings me and books an appointment. He's forever grateful that I take the time out and go and visit him. Um, you know, he's one of my dream clients. You know, he, he ticks all the boxes on so many levels. But if I just had have looked at him as a person in terms of age, he lives in a retirement village, he's 80 odd years of old, most people would write him off. But he's one of my best clients. Mm. Well, uh, I'm just curious to know, how did you come to that conclusion? That's the way you want to go out finding your ideal client. Did you always do that from the beginning or did some at some point you went, oh, okay, this is not how I want to do that. I want to do things. How did you come to that? Yeah, I didn't do it initially. And I think, you know, I read a lot of books and I watched a lot of webinars and podcasts and I did a lot of research in the early days because I literally started my business with no clients. I had no clients and no money. So I had a lot of time on my hands. So I researched a lot of things. I, I love reading books. So I, I got a whole heap of books um, and all of them talk about you need to look, see your ideal client in front of you, age, sex, you know, the, the age range down to the things that they wear. And I just, I couldn't visualize it. And I didn't know whether that was because I'm not a very creative person. I'm obviously a numbers person. So for me, one plus one is two and there's no other alternative answer. So I couldn't visualize this person that didn't exist. Um, and when I spoke to more and more people and everyone said, so what, what's your niche and what, what types of businesses do you, do you work with? I was like, oh gosh, I haven't got a niche. I, <laughs> I work with most people that come to me. I must be doing something wrong. And so then you start second guessing everything that you're already doing that's working because somebody thinks you haven't got a niche or, or a specialty. And I sat down one day and I thought, right, I'm going to work out where most of my clients you know, whether, is there an age range I can narrow down? Is it an industry type? And, you know, the age range was about 24 to 84. So I thought, okay, that hasn't helped. Um, <laughs> I, do work with, I do work with predominantly women, mainly because I, I met a lot of women when I was on maternity leave, which was a natural thing, but I still have male clients. So it wasn't one or the other. Um, the demographics, we work with clients in Perth, um, New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria, so I couldn't narrow it down by demographics. And I thought, why am I trying to eliminate these clients? Like, why can't I work with everyone, providing they care about our services? So it was probably 12 months into the business that I really started to narrow down the types of clients that approached us and really whether we thought that they would be long-term clients. So we don't want to work with people for a week. We want to work with them for, you know, several months if, if they're in that startup phase or if they need bookkeeping help. We want to work with them until their business grows so much they have to hire an internal bookkeeper. So we want a really long-lasting relationship with our clients. So we started to think, okay, what kind of questions are they asking us? And if they're asking us to 
you know, um, do something completely dodgy with the tax office, then we really need to have that conversation about, look, this is not where we think we can add value and perhaps we're not benefiting from this client relationship. So it probably took 12 months for me to realise my ideal client wasn't a set of statistics. It really was a type of person that, that have those attitudes and feelings towards their, their numbers. So once we narrowed that down, it made it really easy for when people came to us that we could really identify whether they were a yes or a no and whether we investigated that further. Well, when you made that differentiation, did you find that the type of people that you attracted as clients change and your service delivery change as well, or did that stay the same? Um, our service delivery probably stayed the same. And to be honest, before we made that decision, we were spending so much time on people that were not our ideal clients, trying to convert them to be mm. our ideal client. And in hindsight, it was a complete waste of time because I don't feel that you can change people that easily. And, it, and if we did change them, it would take 12 to 18 months. And we simply don't have the the capability to spend time and time and time on, on these clients that don't really value us. And what we found is the only people they would refer to us were people with a similar mindset. So they're referring people to us who are not our ideal clients. And as soon as we really understood that, we were finding that our clients that really did value our services were referring more clients that valued our services, that thought exactly the same way, that dealt with their business in exactly the same way, that were confident to ask us questions when they had them, that understood why we were asking for paperwork, you know, it wasn't a drag or, oh, Stacey's asking another question. So, you know, and 50% of our work comes from referrals. So if we're getting the right clients to start with, then they're referring the right clients back to us. So our business organically grows without us having to go and search for those people. I think one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of people in the beginning of the business make is that, oh yeah, because just because we want money, we'll just be attracting, we just get money from anywhere. But what ends up happening in the end is that you've attracted all these wrong people. And in the end, it actually costs more because you're wasting a lot more energy, wasting a lot more time, wasting a lot more, um, even, even money on things that doesn't really have that much of a return, even like on an emotional level, I guess. Yeah, and that's what we found. You know, we're obviously so proud of what we do and we love what we do that when somebody doesn't value those services, you start getting a little bit upset. Not upset about it, but you just think, oh, gosh, they didn't even care that we reminded them that their business activity statement was due. But those people probably will never care. Um, but you keep going out of your way to think, if I just remind them enough times and if I just give them enough information, they will realise how amazing we are. Um, but sometimes those clients don't care how amazing you are. They just probably want to pay cheap cheap services and tick the box to know that, that it's done. But I guess our business is not a tick the box business and we don't want to be someone that just does the bare minimum. We want to provide those extra services. So we thought if we're going to provide those extra services, we need to really focus on the clients that want those extra services. Um, and so, so yeah, so you spend a lot of time getting upset um, that our clients don't appreciate us if you've got the wrong types of clients. It's hard in those early days because, like you said, you do take anyone. Somebody, you know, sends you an email and says, we'd love to work with you and, and you almost do a happy dance around the room because you're <laughs> so excited that yeah. somebody wants to use your services or buy from you. Um, and that's great initially because I think you do have to build your brand from somewhere. 
but you can get caught in a trap of working with those people and never getting out of that cycle. So I think it's important to understand who you want to work with, who values your services, and, and where can you find those people, um, because that's where you need to be focusing your time and energy. One of the things that you had mentioned um, on the website and you seem to be educating people a lot about is about the fact that there are there's a high failure rate across like small business owners due to like lack of knowledge and lack of knowledge in cash flow and how to manage business in the beginning. Can you please tell a little bit about what kind of mistakes have you seen people making um, in the beginning stage of a business um, when it comes to accounting and cash flow and what are like, like some of the common trends do you see? Yeah, gosh, where do I start? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a cup of coffee and stay here. I know, sit down, pull up a chair. <laughs> no, I look. You know, we do see a lot of issues at the start and I guess the biggest issue is people don't ask for help um, until it's too late. Um, so most times people will come to us because of a problem. Um, either they've had an issue with the staff member because they haven't been paid correctly and the staff member has found out and so they've you know lodged a claim with Fair Work and it goes down a really nasty route. So payroll is always something that we encourage people to, you know, you, you just can't get it wrong. Um, it reflects badly on your brand, it reflects badly on your business, it reflects badly on you. And with social media these days, you know, people start tweeting about all kinds of random things and you just don't want to be the subject of somebody's tweet just because you didn't understand that you had to pay super for that employee, for example. So payroll is one where generally people come to us after the fact and ask us to fix things which we can generally fix them, but sometimes then the damage is already done to, to your brand or, or your business. So um, payroll is something we think, look, you know, you have a consultation to start with, by all means do it yourself going forward, but really make sure you understand the basics um, so that you can do that with a little bit of confidence. Um, another one we see is people underestimate just how much it costs to run a business. Um, we see a lot of people that are starting out, so they've got a fabulous idea and they've got great vision, they can, they can see their plan being executed and we have a conversation around, okay, so how much do you think this is going to cost and, and where are your costs going to be? And the number of times that people say to us, oh, we're just not going to spend any money. <laughs> and <laughs> that sounds great and I wish that was the case, but you know, when you start a business, there's so many different types of costs. Um, and they all add up really quickly. So it might only be $50 a month for accounting software and $20 a month for MailChimp and $15 a month for an Instagram scheduling tool. And you know, But all those things add up really quickly. And if it's going to take six to 12 months for your income to start coming in, you need to have some cash reserves ready to cover those costs. So we really encourage people that business does cost money as much as we want to think we're not spending money, we do. So we really encourage people to be realistic um, around those costs. So we always overestimate our expenses and underestimate our income. And for us, that's the worst case scenario. So if you're okay with that, then generally you would hope it would be better. Um, and another one we often have is around GST. Um, and I 
we do a lot of financial coaching sessions with clients where we just really start those conversations rolling. And I had one just last week with a client who was a photographer. Um, a lot of our clients are creative, which kind of makes sense because they're the other side of the brain to what we are. Um, and they weren't registered for GST and we did a review of their numbers and they had actually hit the GST threshold four months ago. So it just poses a lot of extra questions and problems for that client now. Um, do they go back and register for GST? Do they, what, what happens? So they're quite stressed out about that, which then is another thing that we're dealing with at the moment as well. So, And again, they just didn't understand the rules very well um, and they didn't have any software that really enabled them to look at their reporting. So again, it's a really innocent mistake, but it has some big consequences for that client. So GST is always another one where people kind of understand the basic rules, but they don't understand how it fully impacts on their business. I see the point uh, that you make about not asking for help quick enough because I think especially if you're coming from the corporate world I think you are in the habit of oh yeah I gotta figure it out myself and you know I gotta be doing it myself otherwise you know I'm gonna probably look weak or whatever other beliefs that you have and going from that to actually business world where you actually do need to go and get help if not you know you're just trying to run a one-man show it's not gonna go down too well right when people come to you in the beginning of a business, um, how do you coach people or what kind of things do you coach in as opposed to if they just come to you just once a year, as you say, um, and just try to do the tax or the GST or whatever and just get that out of the way? What's the difference in two people doing taking those two routes? Yeah, so we generally help business owners on on a couple of different levels. So our financial coaching sessions are really to help them where they're at in their business right now. And, and for every single client, that's completely different. So we might have someone come to us who's literally two weeks you know, away from launching their business and they want to understand their cash flow position. So we'll do a projection for the next 12 months. We'll understand where their income is going to come in and how many customers they'll need to hit those targets what kind of income streams they have and if all these expenses happen down the bottom then this is the end result of, of their business so they can see it for the next 12 months. Um, we have others that might do that initially and six months later they'll come back and they go okay I need to register for GST now, can we understand how that impacts our business and, and how do I change my accounting system and what invoices do I need to give and you know we need to review pricing, we need to review what's written on your website and there's so many behind the scenes things that we need to discuss before we just flick the switch and turn GST on. And the other big one we find is payroll and as I've already mentioned, most people start their business and they have no intention of hiring staff because it's seen to be, you know, it's really hard, you've got to manage someone, I haven't even made a sale yet, how can I be thinking about having employees? But it generally will creep up on you so quickly that you then end up rushing the whole process because you might have a new client or someone place a massive wholesale order and you think, how am I even going to get that done? I know I'll hire someone and they'll help me and I'll just figure out afterwards what that actually means. Um, so we will have another conversation with that and this could be the same client that has come to us three times now but each time we're just having a conversation about that important issue in their business at that time. So we go through employment contracts, we discuss wages and rates of pay and how they process that and pay slips and 
And now with single touch payroll coming in, that's a whole other thing here in Australia. So we don't want to overwhelm people with telling them all the pieces of the puzzle if they're not relevant at that point in time. So we kind of say to people, get enough to know what you're doing day to day. And if things change, we have another conversation. And if things change again, we have another conversation. Because most clients won't retain all that information at once. And so we find a little bit of information is actually quite dangerous if it's not used correctly. So we really want to spend the time with them to get them to understand each, each process of their business as it evolves over time. I see how this is really, really key because, uh, as I mentioned, like a lot of people, when they first start, like they take accounting very lightly because, you know, you're not making any money, so why bother? <laughs> um, and then before you know it, things have started to creep in, whether it's bills, receipts or whatever, and then payroll on top of that. And then before you know it, you're just tangled up in a whole web. But, you know, if you didn't have that conversation up front, I guess, that then you have to kind of clean the mess. Yeah, and we always say it always costs more to fix it up than it does to get it right to start with. So, you know, most people think that you see an accountant after all these things have happened and and they wave their magic wand and it magically just fixes. But if you hired someone next time, would you make the same mistakes again? Because they haven't actually informed you as to what you should have done initially. So what we're trying to do is reverse that thought process and go, right, before you register for GST, let's have a conversation. Before you register someone on your books as an employee, let's have a conversation. And let's make you understand how that impacts your business. And and as a business owner, what are your obligations now? And and what should you be aware of? So that, you know, if you hired five people next time, it should be a relatively easy process because you've already got those systems and processes in place to make sure that, that pay gets done on time and super gets paid and all of those things. Fixing it 12 months down the track is, is a whole world of pain on so many levels. Not only is it quite expensive to fix it all up, but as I mentioned, you don't want to have disgruntled employees that haven't been paid correctly. You don't want to have to go and invoice your clients now for your GST portion because you didn't realise you needed to register for GST and suddenly they have to pay you an extra 10%. So all these little bits and pieces, whilst they may seem quite small on their own, they can add up to just eating away at your brand reputation, which is obviously not ideal. ask you about the money Mandela that you have mentioned in, oh, on the yeah. website. It looks so much fun. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I was trying to find different ways. You know, everyone said, you have to have a freebie that people can download from the website <laughs> and, and get them on your newsletter. And I'm like, yikes, I'm an accountant. What can we offer for free? You know, our whole thing is you charge for everything. Um, so I really struggled to find something that I thought, what would I want? You know, and what would I think was something interesting and something cool that that I would get from someone in the finance space. And I met up with an artist online um, and it was all the rage to do those colouring mindfulness mandalas and you coloured in different pieces. And, and we spoke to a lot of clients and what we found was they had some amazing goals. So they said, you know, in six months' time, I want my sales to be X amount of money or in, in 12 months' time, I want to have three storefronts or, or whatever that goal was. And we realised that 
they, they weren't tracking how they were going against those goals. So what I thought was mindfulness colouring was really huge and I, and I love it um, for relaxation and things like that. But I thought, how can I incorporate that into this download? So I thought, why don't we get a money mandala that they can download and each piece of the puzzle that they get closer to their financial goal, they can colour in a piece of the mandala. So when they get a new client on board, they colour in a little piece of the puzzle. And there's numbers strategically placed throughout the mandala if you look at it really closely. Um, and so hopefully what they get is they can visually see themselves reaching their goals. We had a lot of clients that would get really disheartened and not understand if they were reaching their sales targets or their profit margins or whatever it was they wanted to track. And so we thought they're creative people. They don't want to look at a profit and loss but they still want to see themselves achieving a goal. So we had to create something visual that they could put on the wall and go, right, every time I get a new lead come in the door, I'm going to colour in a piece of the puzzle. Every time I make a sale, I'm going to colour in a piece of the puzzle. Every time I do my bookkeeping, I'm going to colour in a piece of the puzzle. Like whatever it was that they wanted to achieve. And it almost, not, not that it made the process fun, but they could visually see their business growing without having to look at a financial report which was really important for us. <laughs> and and fun too. I agree. I agree with that yeah. one because I remember when first coloring books came out, I just bought a whole mean like huge <laughs> bunch of them and everyone who was around me, friends and family, they used to buy me them for Christmas as well. And so even when I go traveling, I'm just coloring like and my boyfriend would be like, "Uh, yeah, I have a childhood girlfriend." Just coloring because <laughs> I'm coloring away. But yeah, oh, that is absolutely um, a goal. I love how you have talked about what would I like to have because um, quite often your ideal client is, is also a version of you. So if you do like that then and, and, and make it more fun because that's what people want and something visual, um, that's absolutely good. Yeah, well, we thought we could do a GST checklist or a, something and I thought, you know what, I don't really don't think people want that. Like they know that they need that information, but it doesn't excite them to download it. Um, and it would be me like going to a website going, well, here's your 10 things about the best website. I'm like, I'm not even going to implement it. So why am I going to download a freebie about it? But if we can make it related to their goals, then all of a sudden it's not a, a finance freebie download, even though it technically is. It's something that helps them achieve their goals. So that's how we, we thought about it. Mm. Well, uh, coming from the corporate background, what would you say are like skills and strengths that you brought from the corporate world into building your business that you didn't even realize that you had? Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't expect to be in this position. Um, I guess I'm very analytical, which has helped in that, that early days where I really had to budget quite tightly. Um, as I said, I didn't start my business with $10,000 in the bank account. I was redundant, had two kids and was like, I need to start a business tomorrow. Um, so for me, I really needed to budget quite closely in those first kind of six to 12 months because it's very easy to spend money when you start a business. You get hooked on all these online courses and let's do some more study and let's get into this marketing program and let's spend, spend, spend before you've even realised if your business has legs. So. I really did it in reverse and went, okay, uh, let's try and think outside the box. So one of my big skills is I will talk to people. Um, 
and I was quite chatty in the corporate world, which is probably why corporate didn't agree with me because <laughs> you don't have time to chat in the corporate world. You have to do work. So, But when I started my business, I would talk to heaps of people because I had a lot of time. So what I did when I first started was I would arrange to swap services with people. So I reached out to a photographer and I said, how about I give you um, six months of an accounting software package plus a training session and I'll lodge your best for you in exchange for five headshots and photos that I can use on my website. Um, I reached out to a graphic designer to get my first logo designed, which was many years ago and it's not a logo I use now, but it's evolved into the one I use now. Um, and she needed some help with filing and setting up systems for all her paperwork. And I said, fine, how about I give you three hours of my time and then you can design a logo for me in, in three hours of your time. So we kind of swapped services. And I did that a lot in the first probably year of business. I tried to identify things that I wanted and I sought those people out and I just had a conversation. And I thought, what's the worst that can happen? They're just going to say, no, well, at the moment I don't have a logo or a website anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, so I was really open to having a conversation and I guess that's just me being a little bit chatty and friendly that it kind of worked in my favour. I definitely didn't do it as a sales pitch. All I did was go, okay, I need a logo. I can't have a business without a logo. I need, And then I kind of got 12 months into my business and thought I need some headshots. What do I do? Um, you know, I was at an expo and I thought I'll get these beautiful chocolate truffles made and I thought, okay, why don't I offer my bookkeeping services to this lady that makes chocolate truffles and she can give me these chocolates. So every time I'm kind of thinking outside the box and it's just about having a conversation but giving back value to that other person as well. So that was a big thing for me and over time what I've realised is that most of my skills are not in the day-to-day -day of the business. It's, it's training people and sitting down with them and having that conversation again with that business owner to go okay what's not working and what don't you understand so when I first started my business I did everything I did the sales the marketing the website the social media the accounting you know 17 million things that you need to do as a business owner but I soon realized that anything on the creative side is not my cup of tea surprise surprise but sitting down and really teaching is is what I do best um, so it was that time that I realised I had to hire staff to do the things that I wasn't good at or outsource to a graphic designer or a website person. So, you know, I think it's about understanding your own skills. And for me, it, it's training. It's not doing the day-to-day -day bookkeeping. That's not where I get the most love. It, it's sitting down and really helping people understand. Um, so that was another thing. And I guess the other thing is just that I was super organised in my corporate life. Um, I think because you have to show up and you're sitting in an office and everybody can see you. And what I realised is when I ran my business, I'm probably the most unorganised person in the world. Um, <laughs> my office is a mess. But, you know, I know where everything is. It's just not strategically put away. So, again, it's about focusing on where your time needs to be spent and my time needs to be spent with my clients. So, you know... Um, I'm not great at admin, I have someone to do that for me. Um, so it made me realise that I don't have to do everything myself. Um, I'm a huge control freak and I guess that's why I was so organised in the corporate world because I was I love to be in control of my role and my job and everything. Um, I've realised as a business owner, you can't really afford to be a control freak because you just don't have the time in the week to do 57 things. You just don't have the time. 
So I actually had to let go a bit and it was probably one of the scariest things that I have ever done in my business, being able to let go and, and delegate to other people. A lot of people get the idea, yes, I need to play to my strengths and I got to outsource the weaknesses, but a lot of people get stuck on the fact, oh, uh, I don't have enough money to have a team, right? But I see that how you have gone around that hurdle and I think it absolutely gold. I, I think uh, our audience is definitely going to love that one. And it's a great example of how to go about doing it rather than stay stuck in the fact that, oh, I don't have enough money. Hence, I got to be doing everything, even the ones that, you know, I may take like 100 hours to do that a professional would take one hour to do. Exactly. And, and we spoke to someone last week and, and she's just about to launch her business at the end of this month. And she said to me, how do I get people to come to this workshop that she was hosting? And I said, oh, so have you thought about inviting a photographer to come to the workshop and do the workshop for free? And then she can do the photos at the same time. So she's getting value out of your workshop. You're getting photos. And she's like, oh, I wouldn't have never have thought about <laughs> that. And I said, all you can do is ask. Like at the end of the day, right now you don't have a photographer, so nothing changes if they say no, right? And, you know, she's probably not as confident as me. She's only just starting in business. But I guess the moral of the story is if you don't have it now, then nothing changes, right? So you, all you need to do is ask a question, and it's how you ask that question. So I said to her, if you went to the photographer and said, please come for free and take photos, the answer is probably going to be no. But if you reached out to that photographer and said, I've looked at your images, they'd be perfect for what I need. Um, I'd love for you to come and take my photos, but right now I can't afford it. Is there a possibility that you can come and attend my workshop for free in exchange for X amount of photos? Then suddenly that conversation has changed. Yeah, I guess it's it's about finding common ground in a way that I'm not trying to extract value out of one person, but rather it's a win-win for both sides, I guess. Exactly. And I just thought, you know what, I don't have a lot of money when I started my business, so I have to think of a different alternative. Um, and I guess it made me think of what was really important. So was a website important to me? Yes, it was at the time. Was a logo important to me? Yes, it was. And I really picked and picked what was important to me, and that's what I focused on. Um, you know, and obviously that is going to change for every single person. But um, I probably spent the first 12 months doing a lot of things myself that I shouldn't have. But as a business owner, it's so easy to fall into that trap of just going, I'll design my own marketing flyer. This is from an accountant that can't even draw a stick figure. Yet <laughs> I thought I could create my own marketing flyer. And it was the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Um, and I thought, oh, it probably took me six or seven hours to do that. And I came up with the most ugliest end result. I couldn't use it. <laughs> and I thought, that is not the best use of my time. But I was so determined I was going to do it. And I think it's moments like that that you think, okay, Stacey, you've got to just let go. Um, if you had seven hours to go and work on your business, you could probably get a new client in the door in that seven hours. Yet you've wasted it with not even an end result that you can use. So I really started to think, okay, so who do I need to have in my little inner circle that I can rely on? You know, do I have a graphic designer? Do I have a photographer? Do I have a website person? I have all of those things. They don't necessarily work with me all the time, 
but I know if I needed to create a flyer exactly who I would reach out to and now I'm at the ability that I can pay them exactly what I need to for their services because it's worth every penny for me not to have to do it myself. What would you say are like habits or um, qualities that you had that probably came in handy in the corporate world but when it jump when you jump into the business you had to change your thinking around how you did things or who you were and how you were being to take the business forward yeah i guess in corporate you get very used to not being responsible for anything um and i was high up in my corporate roles but there was always a manager above me or, or a senior manager above me so i was never the person that made the end decision um which was fine um, I had two kids, I worked part-time, I didn't want to be there making some, some really hardcore decisions in my roles. But when you're the business owner, you are the decision maker. And sometimes I really didn't want to be the decision maker. <laughs> I wanted someone else to just go, Stacey, that's the wrong decision, or Stacey, that's the right decision. And I found that really hard. Um, and so I would procrastinate making decisions because I felt that I needed someone to, to almost verify I was making the right decision. Um, and so what I realised after well, probably 18 months was that, so what if it's the wrong decision? Sometimes you have to make the wrong decision to realise it's the wrong decision, but spending six weeks making a decision is also not the right decision either. So I really had to just stop and go, okay, if I want a website, here's the three people you've got quotes from, you need to pick one or you need to move on. Um, whereas in the corporate world, you'd give those three quotes to your manager, you'd walk away and you'd probably never hear anything of it again. So I really struggled in the first 12 months to be that decision maker because I've never had to be the final say on anything. Um, so that I found that really hard. Um, and the other thing is I'm a really stubborn person. I'm a Taurus star sign. So if anyone <laughs> relates to that, I'm a very stubborn person. So I don't like being told no. And in the corporate world, you can kind of deal with that because you go, okay, ultimately it's not my business. If I think they're making the wrong choice or the wrong decision, at the end of the day, I can go home and nothing's going to happen to me. But in your own business, when you're stubborn, it can kind of bite you in the bum a little bit. Um, so I really need to check in with myself every now and then and go, am I making this decision or this choice because I want it? Or am I making this decision or choice because it's the right choice for my business? And I really need to separate myself from my business and think like a, an outside person would. Um, because we get so caught up in our everyday that we think every decision will be amazing. Um, and sometimes there's a rogue decision in there, but you don't have time to really think about. And it, and it will cost your business in time, in money, in sanity, in workflow, in, in a range of things. So... I really need to check in with my stubbornness because now I've got no one else to rein it in for me. Um, so sometimes that can be a little bit of a bad habit that kicks in as well. Mm. Well, I guess um, when you were talking about, uh, you know, making decisions, I think that's where a lot of business owners get stuck because then the best thing to do is to not make a decision and you're sitting on it and it's hovering in your head as something that you've got to make a decision on and that itself actually wastes a lot of energy so yeah that's I guess a yeah, loophole absolutely. that a lot of us get into yeah and that's when people come to us they're like oh I've been meaning to reach out for the past six months and and you know I just I've never done it I've always pushed it to the side I've, I've got on with other things because other things were easier 
And we often put off those decisions because they are the hard decisions and they're the ones that are the reality, you know, like either my business is not doing well and I need to speak to someone. That's what we hear a lot from clients. Like, I don't know where my money is. I need to speak to someone. But then they'll be like, I'm too busy to speak to someone. So they continue in that trap of not knowing where their money is. And six months later, they're like, well, now it's even more urgent I speak to someone because I've spent the last six months and I don't know what I've been doing. But it's easy to just put that decision off and go, but my day-to-day is easy. I get up, I place orders, I do this, I do that. And then that decision is still hanging over their head every night. Um, So, you know, we've had clients say, you know, I haven't slept for the past six months properly. You know, because I'm so worried about my financial situation. I'm like, you know, you just have to start the conversation. That's all it is. Mm. I think a lot of us just fear uh, the outcome, whether it's (laughs) negative or positive. So might as well just sit on it and just delay even the positive outcome that could have happened. Yeah. And it's so funny, though, because we do a lot of training sessions with clients whether it's on their software accounting software or whether it's around understanding the ATO and they literally come to the session and you can tell in their voice that they don't want to speak Um, you know they don't want to admit that they don't know Um, and by the end of the session it's like we've been friends for 10 years like they're telling me about their kids you know it's (laughs) like whoa you have done a complete 360 in the space of an hour Um, And I think sometimes the hardest bit is just saying that first sentence, like, I don't understand where my money is, or I don't understand GST, or I think I've been paying my staff member wrong. And it's almost like the sigh of relief that you hear when they have that sentence come out, and like, thank God I've been able to tell someone, and we can now move on and try and fix it. Because we can't fix anything we don't know about. so, yeah, and we have a lot of people that come and go, you know, they'll text us or they'll message us two weeks later and they'll be like, oh, my God, I've just done my second payroll. You'll be so proud of me. And I'm like, yeah, two weeks ago you were literally crying on the phone and now you're, like, so happy with yourself. So the turnaround we see in people's, you know, attitude and their mental space around their numbers is huge. But initially it's very daunting, you know, and it's easy decision just to ignore. Yeah, but I guess that's the reward that you get for the work that you do. Yeah, and it's so nice to, um, you know, we, as I said, we get a lot of uh, referrals from clients, which is fabulous, Um, you know, and we'll have people email us going, oh, you know, Sophie's recommended you and she raves about you, you know, and I've got a similar problem in zero or whatever it is. And I'm like, wow, like the fact that someone is talking to their friends, their business friends about numbers now, even if they're not referring us, that to me is a huge step forward, you know, because six months ago, this person wouldn't have even spoken about their own business, yet now they're talking to their friends about how organised they are. Well, in building your own business, what would you say is the worst advice you've been given? Um, A lot of people said to me, oh, you'll just work it out later. And I was like, okay, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be working out, but I I guess I'll just work it out later. Um, And some of those things I would never work out. Like, I don't know how to build a website. And someone would just say, oh, you'll just be able to work out WordPress. My brain (laughs) is not configured to work out WordPress. Like, it's just not. And I'm sure it's easy for some people. It's not easy for me. Um, And so that was something that I ignored for ages. I had this website that a website 
person had built for me. It was ugly, even though I thought it was beautiful. Um, I didn't know how to update it. Um, I pretty much didn't even know how to log in, but it was there. Um, and everyone just said, oh, you'll just work it out. Well, A, I didn't have time to work it out. And B, my brain just didn't want to work it out. So I agree sometimes that you will work things out, but I think you need to be realistic that some things you just won't work out and you need to ask for help. And for me, it's the creative stuff. Like the marketing flyer. I mean, what possessed me to spend seven hours working on a marketing flyer thinking I would just work out how to make it pretty? It was never going to be pretty. Um, so I don't really like that phrase, you know, just work it out or deal with it later or um, just wing it seems to be a really popular one at the moment. Um, I think some of those phrases just catch people off guard down the track. Mm. Well, what would you say is the best advice you've been given in building the business? The best advice probably came oh, 12 months after I'd started my business and it was to get staff. Um, I said that I would never have staff. I was one of those people that said, I don't need staff. My business will never be big enough. I'm happy just doing what I'm doing. Um, but it got to the point where I was working ridiculous hours um, and I think we've all probably been there. I was suffering burnout. I literally would wake up every day and hate my business. Um, and I thought, I hate it because I'm doing all the things I don't like doing. And someone said, you need an employee to do some of those things. And I was like, really? Sounds a bit scary. And I'm thinking, Stacey, you're sounding like your client. <laughs> this is what they come <laughs> to you for. Um, and so I guess I had to take my own medicine and just go, you, if this was your client saying that they had burnout, they hated their business and they're working, you know, 50 hours a week plus trying to run up the household and family, what would you say to them? And I thought, well, I would say to them, you need an employee. So I said, right, that's what you need to do. So then I got an employee just part-time and I eased my way in. And they literally did four hours a week, which doesn't sound like much, but just an extra set of hands for four hours made the world of difference. So in hindsight, I wished I had done that sooner. But again, stubborn Taurus. I was like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. Um, so that was the best advice when someone just said to me, what, what would you say to your clients in this exact same situation? And that was a bit of a reality check for me that I thought I'm sitting here giving this information to clients and I'm not doing it for myself. It's so easy to, to give help to others and yet we're very reluctant to help ourselves most of the time. Yeah, well, sometimes we have to take our own medicine. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, good or bad. Including myself. <laughs> yeah. um, well, if you could go back to the beginning of your journey, what would you change about how you did things? Yeah, I'm not sure I'd change too much about how I started. I, I think about this a lot because people say, oh, don't you wish you had spent six months researching how, like how you would run a business? And I don't actually think I would change that bit. I still think me jumping in was the best thing I ever did because I probably would still be working corporate saying I would get this off the ground sometime soon. So for my personality and the way that I like to do things, jumping in was the best thing ever because it really gave me the chance to focus on 110% from the day one. Um, I probably should have been a bit more smarter with my money before that and had a lot more cash reserve just in case. Um, so that's probably something I would change, always plan for the unexpected um, rather than think that things will just continually go smoothly. 
Um, and I guess the other thing I would change is really to surround myself with more business people earlier on. So whether that's through networking or, or business groups or business associations, but running a business can be very lonely when you're a sole trader, when you're starting out and it's only you. Um, and I didn't have employees till, for the first 12 months. So, you know, it was just me sitting at home, um, logging into accounting software and having phone and Skype sessions. So there wasn't a lot of interaction. Um, so I guess I would have built up those networks a little bit sooner just to have that, I guess, support base around me to then, if there was problems or questions, I, I could have someone to turn to. Um, a lot of people don't have that when they start a business and, and that's when they start making those, you know, bad, not bad decisions, but I guess rush decisions because they've got no one to bounce the options off. So definitely surrounding myself with other people sooner to just to kind of, build up my confidence, I guess, in the first 12 months. Well, this is a question that I ask all the guests that come on the show, which is what's the number one thing you've learned about yourself having been through the journey that you've been through? Yeah, oh gosh, I guess um, for me, um, I'm really surprised that as much as I love numbers, um, I'm not a day-to-day -day numbers person. Um, I don't sit there reconciling bank accounts each day. That's not what I love, even though that's what I did when I started the business. Um, I've got two staff now that do that for me and they are amazing at that. Um, I'm more amazing at, at building and growing the business, which I never thought I would say because I'm definitely not a marketing person. I'm definitely not a salesperson, but I love getting out there and talking about our business and what we do and why we love it. And, and it must resonate with people because that's people will come to us and go, oh, I met you at that networking event. I really want to discuss my, my accounting with you. And and so that's really shocked me that I'm, I don't just sit here and do numbers behind a desk. I'm, I'm networking, I'm attending events, I'm presenting at workshops, I'm speaking at events. That to me was never on my radar. I just wanted to sit down and do bookkeeping and, and help businesses, um, which I guess I'm doing through these other aspects. but. Um, I just never thought that's what my day-to-day -day would look like. Well, Stacey, I would love to keep you for long and talk more, but I realized <laughs> that I have to let you go. Um, <laughs> now, for those of our listeners um, who is interested in getting in touch with you, learning more about you and what you do, can you please let them know how they can do that? Yeah, sure. So the easiest way um, is via our website, which is www.healthybusiness.com finances.com.au um, or they're more than welcome to shoot us an email direct um, which is support at healthybusinessfinances.com.au Nice. So I will make sure that I include all those links on the show notes. Stacey, thank you so much for coming on the show and I'm sure there was a lot of golden nuggets that our listeners loved listening to. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fabulous. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Didn't I say that it's going to be different? Now, as always, go to www.vindyav.com. That's V-I-N-D-Y-A-B-E-E.com. And check out the show notes because I'll be putting everything in there, even in the short point form. If you haven't taken any notes, you can always go and look back. And also all the resources that Stacy shared. 
And make sure you go and check out the free money mandala that we were discussing on the interview because that is such a fun way of keeping in track of your finances, especially if you are not an analytical person who loves numbers just like I am. So that's it for our episode today. I hope you guys had lots to take out from it. Until we meet next week, have fun. And as I always say, keep at it in your extraordinary journey.